and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we listen to one new album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. In this episode, we're talking about New View, the third solo album by Eleanor Friedberger, who used to make one half of the Fiery Furnaces. The record starts out with this song called He Didn't Mention His Mother. I feel just as crazy as I did last night I feel like I'll get up and go Today I'm frozen but tomorrow I'll write about you uh-huh. A friend and her baby and a dog that I know I got nothing starts this first song on the album with the warped sound of a record player spinning up, but then settles into a pretty welcoming and conventionally structured pop song. And I think that does a good job of setting the tone for the album, where things might sound a little weird at first, but then come into focus. And at least on this track, that focus seems to be on loss and the memory of what was. And in this case, every sound is reminding her of some unnamed someone who just isn't coming back. She's also filtering those memories through the process of writing about them, and I think this record is as much about her songwriting process as it is about her relationships. And to make it a little more universal, I think she's also trying to say something about how we all experience life and then write the story in our heads and then tell it to ourselves later. I really like that she bookends the album with similar lyrics. One of the first lines in this last song is, Today I'm frozen, but tomorrow I'll write about you. And then one of the last lines on the last song is, We left this place together, but I wrote this song alone. Yeah, there's that thoughtful planning and clear structure, and I think kind of a dark tone, but I like that there's room there for some pretty whimsical lyrics. Uh, In here, she wonders if a sound is, and and I hope I'm hearing the words correctly, a mouse, a bear, or a bug. And it's just kind of this bit of silliness that I really appreciate. And I also, you know, she's injecting some fun into this song. And I think that definitely helps to lighten up the next track, which is otherwise pretty sad, and it's called Open Season. Is it freezing over there? I'm opening a tree museum That's my new home 25,000 reasons Has begun, begun. 
we just played where she sings I'm opening a tree museum that's my new hobby and I have to assume that's a reference to the Joni Mitchell song Big Yellow Taxi where part of paving over paradise and putting up a parking lot includes taking all the trees and putting them in a tree museum and what I think she's trying to shorthand there is that she wrote this album after moving from Brooklyn where she had lived for a decade to upstate New York in a much more rural environment and I think That change in state of mind is reflected in the sound on this record. It's just much more relaxed and traditional sounding. Yeah, certainly there's that twangy guitar, which we hear in the first bridge, and it sounds warm and comfortable. But it's in this context of a song that I think is structurally pretty unusual. There are verses of differing lengths, sometimes four lines, sometimes just three. And then we heard there a sentence which bridges two verses. And in fact, there end up being more of these instrumental bridges than there are choruses. You know, I hate to admit that I didn't catch that Joni Mitchell reference, but what I like, especially about that line, that's my new hobby. It's just such a kind of understated bit of self-deprecation. And I think it does a good job to sweeten what's otherwise pretty bitter expression of anger and regret. And that same sort of angry energy gets channeled instead of anger into these increasingly raucous instrumental sections. And then leading into the end of the song, which just smoothly flows into the beginning of the next, and that's called Sweetest Girl. Sweet girl with a broken heart. Sweet girl with a broken heart. Sweet girl with a broken heart. Stop crying so I won't start. Sweet girl with a broken heart Sweet girl with a broken heart Sweet girl with a broken heart Stop crying so I won't start mentioning that this is the first album Friedberger has written and recorded live to tape with her touring band rather than writing the songs first and then bringing in session musicians later. I think this song is a good example of how that approach feels like it brings more fullness to her sound. Like in this song there are little touches like the chorus of backing vocals that comes in and then there's a drum breakdown right before the chorus and there are little things like that that I think are harder to come up with when you're writing songs in isolation. Yeah the songwriting process does lead to a pretty interesting place here where the song does feel rich and kind of loose and improvisational but it's also very weirdly cramped it's the most repetitive song on the album 
And so even though the sound is so expansive, it feels claustrophobic to me. And, you know, I think that's pretty appropriate, though, to this song that's about this to me. I've read as a snapshot of this relationship that's about to break apart. There's this line, stop crying so I don't start. And it's just so kind of hopeless. I found it pretty devastating. And, you know, he, things that are usually, I think, evoked for beauty and grace, like the sky and the sea, are now representing red crying eyes or a blue crushed spirit. And, you know, it's kind of a nice inversion. And, you know, we last song we were looking at, I think, the aftermath of a relationship. Here we're kind of taking a snapshot of the final moments. And then I, the next song, we I think we go a little bit backwards to learn more about, say, the lead up to how a relationship might end. That song is called Your Word. She took up both her ears Put them in the sand and walked away Up rose a seven-story cactus Cast in gold and set away A million pounds of pure beauty Measured only by those who see interview where Ms. Freeburger said that she was in a used bookstore and saw a self-help sort of book titled Your Word is Your Wand and she's been wanting to use that in a song ever since. It's a great phrase and I really like this song because I feel like it's a bit of a throwback to her older stuff. For me one of the things that I like the most about her is the way she delivers lines in kind of this deadpan way where she's cramming too many words into each beat and it's not it's it's a little off kilter and she's putting together these very prosaic, quirky observations so that you have to read between the lines to see the whole picture of what she's trying to communicate or what is the story that's happening in the song. And I feel like that was kind of her hallmark as half of the Fiery Furnaces, but it's been receding more into the background with each of her solo records. So I was glad to hear that style more up front again. Yeah, I, I remember when I first heard the Fiery Furnace and they were just this a kind of aggressively weird band to the point that I admired them more than I particularly enjoyed them. I think the music was just a bit much. And then I saw them at The Independent maybe like eight years ago mm-hmm. and I was they, at that show. Awesome. I'm sad I didn't know you then, <laughs> but uh, we were, got to be at that show. And I just remembered that they toned that weirdness down a little bit, and I was just blown away. It worked so well. And I think this song manages to capture that sweet spot where there are these warbling organs, and there are these abrupt chord changes that feel really kind of alien 
and they make sense even though I couldn't even tell. They feel like, are you going forward or backwards? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of this, it's lumbering. And yet, even though that kind of gives it this off-kilter rhythm, it still maintains momentum forward. And I, with that momentum, it's kind of leading up where there's this withheld punchline where she keeps singing, uh, you know, she's talking to someone who's deceiving herself and that's convincing herself to stay in a bad situation. And Eleanor Freeberg says, your word is your, and then trails off. And then again, she's finally leads up to your word is your wand. And yeah, a self-help book might, pitch that as empowering and maybe her listener is going to hear it as empowering but i think in this context it's a pretty brutal takedown of how magical thinking can kind of deceive you and, and yet the next song we'll play is told from the perspective of giving advice to herself rather than a third party and instead of engaging in magical thinking as you said trying to come to terms with reality it's called never is a long time the hour is almost most stripped down acoustic song on this record makes me think it's an intentional reference to the Bob Dylan song Tomorrow is a Long Time. I like how this song comes right at the middle of the record and seems like it's sort of the eye of the hurricane in terms of looking back on people getting out of chaotic relationships or ones that just weren't working and just coming to terms with that fact that yeah this is never going to work and never is a long time but I have to accept that. Yeah I I think it's a sort of wisdom that isn't going to be joyful necessarily that feeling of uh, just kind of giving up a little bit but the song manages to make it feel like you're climbing from wallowing to freedom where it starts this gentle acoustic guitar but we started to hear at the end of that section that what i think is a snare drum starts kind of forcing its way into the song it doesn't really feel naturally part of it but it just kind of bangs its way in and then makes room at the end for these symbols to really open it up and i think the percussion is able to create this emotional arc to the song. And I really like that. Her voice is also mixed really low and about the same level as those drums and the acoustic guitar. And that gives it a different feel. I also thought maybe her voice had an echo effect on it. Like it was double tracked. Maybe it sounded a little more multi-dimensional, I guess. Anyway, we go from that very quiet song to probably the most energetic track on this record. And that's Kathy with the curly hair. You took the bus in LA with a, a book in your back pocket. It took you two hours just to say hi, so wise. Do you still have a copy with the curly hair? Yeah, but I'm 
we played the end of that song because it has those crazy synth arpeggios and I feel like I should find them cheesy and maybe they are, but I also find them totally charming. I feel like they're also coming back into style because remember we talked about them a lot on that new pornographer's album, Brill Bruisers. Oh yeah, I guess it's officially a trend. (laughs) So now all we just need to find out who's going to ruin it, but at least here it's not Eleanor Friedberger. It builds up nicely to that and it provides a nice conclusion. And so we start right off the bat, instead of, you know, messing around with any instrumental section, it's just right in the lyrics where she, you know, is wondering about this uh, eponymous Kathy. And then she has her, hears herself described as a tall half Greek girl. Uh, Yeah, it took me about 30 times listening to that to understand that lyric. But I think she's still supposed to be talking to him, asking, are you still with that Kathy with the curly hair? Well, yeah, again, it's this conversation where she asks him that, and then he says, well, I'm waiting Mm. for you, the tall Mm -hmm. half-Greek girl, to take me away from there. Um, But it is, you know, a pretty heavily produced track. I mean, not just with the arpeggios, but there's this warble on the instruments, which, you know, they sound almost out of tune, but then not. And the vocals, I think, are pretty low in the mix and so not as distinct as they are on a lot of the other tracks. And then you dig in, there are these nice touches with those vocals. Like, I love how the chorus just ends halfway through the last line. Yeah, and the way the chorus actually goes is, but if you let me, I'd be there. But if you let me, no, I wouldn't dare. But if you let me, ooh, and then it just trails <laughs> off. And I appreciate appreciate that kind of difficult ambiguity in how you feel about somebody. It reminded me of somebody I dated once who was really great and said all the right things, but at the same time just couldn't get his act together and kept going back to this on again, off again girlfriend who was really below average. <laughs> I, I, I mean, she is, and it wasn't just my opinion, like empirically. She's definitely someone that you might have described as Kathy with the curly hair. And I'm obviously awesome. Well, yeah. (laughs) But I had a moment that is what I really read in this song where you just kind of have to say, I think you're great, but you're never going to get it together. And sometime in the future, if you let me, I'd like to be there, but I also won't. And I also feel like the tone of this song being very upbeat and kind of conversational signals the shift from the songs that came before Never Is A Long Time, which I thought was kind of like the centerpiece, to the ones that come after. They're just a bit more positive and have a bit more perspective. And the next one we'll play is called All Known Things. set in scarlet for an hour on the horizon the clouds can all kaleidoscope right before my eyes and the sweetest bird on earth can sing the best rhyme of all time can ring your beauty stands alone amongst all known things all So I at least feel like most of this album is in pretty dark shades of gray where love is failing or gone or misplaced, just misguided. And so I appreciated coming into this song as we're entering the home stretch and it's a really sweet love song. And maybe comparing someone's beauty to natural things isn't new, but it feels fresh to me here. There's just this earnesty 
earnestness that's totally convincing. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the retroness of the instrumentation with the Wurlitzer organ and the tambourines. And this struck me as a song that could have been on a 1970s record from some popular female singer or songwriter, and it would pass. She even makes her vocals more pretty than usual. You know, she's actually singing rather than kind of speak singing, and it's really nice. Yeah, I I would not want an entire album of this, but I think it's great to have in the mix for the album. And so the start of the song is this really simple, you're pretty compared to sunsets and clouds, etc., But then it's a pretty long song. And over that length, we do get the sense of these two people who are growing together and who are successfully moving past that initial infatuation. And there are these corny but really sweet lines like, words we're still discovering will give us better songs to sing. And it's just, you know, you have that hope for the future there. Like they might make it work. So that is this, as you described, pretty retro prettiness. And then I think this next song is also really retro, but in a very different way. It's this psychedelic blast, and it's called Does Turquoise Work? It's the penultimate track. (laughs) Look in the top drawer, but quiet don't think. The ugly picture was up for eight minutes today The complete idiot was Lord for an hour There was crystal deception Just to be so epic in its sound and it's so expansively impressionistic in its lyrics and I cannot believe that it's just two and a half minutes long it just feels bigger than that and you know it opens with I think pretty relatable relationship matters like a lot of the songs in the album he's uh she's dealing with its depressed ex but then instead of staying there it turns into this wild explosion where she's just contemplating the universe and the infinite and it's I feel like I should hate it, but it's just compellingly listenable. And then she's out there in the void and just everything exploding. And then suddenly she turns back and the last lyrics are uh, something, something. No, never mind. Nothing. And (laughs) I think, you know, that kind of is like the arc of the album where it's so ambitious and parts of it are really experimental, but it's still on the whole really relatable. And there's the self-deprecating humor and, I, the entire thing just grew on me a lot. Me too. And I think the songs are really sequenced well in terms of setting up a narrative arc. And after all this sort of relationship turmoil and then acceptance and then looking back and thinking about how you integrate all those memories into your life story. And in her case, it's by writing songs about them. And then she ends with this great epic track called A Long Walk. It comes a little too close for comfort for me to Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone, but then you said you didn't hear that at all, so maybe it's just me. Yeah, sorry. Don't hear it. (laughs) But it's still a great metaphor for both relationships and life as being part of this long and rambling walk. 
So we'll go out with that. We've been discussing New View, the new album by Eleanor Friedberger, and you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks for joining us. In the fall, I'm waiting. In the fall, I was silent. In the fall, I had answer. But in spring, I cried for you. First we fortified ourselves with coffee and some juice When up the options, we set up for the day And we didn't take umbrellas cause they'd just get in the way It was almost nine o'clock, I said we're going on